Ladies and gentlemen, we have made it to Titus chapter 2. Woohoo. Um, recapping last week really kind of gives us a, a foundation and a reminder for this book. And, and if, 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 you, if you're looking for kind of a key verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, that an elder must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and to rebuke those who contradict it. Because that is Paul's charge to Titus there on Crete to do this very thing, to appoint elders that they may continue to build up the church and to contend really against false doctrine, to give instruction and to rebuke. Last week we looked at the section on contending or rebuking. And by way of a reminder, what was the purpose for, you know, and it says to rebuke them sharply. And you go, ooh, ooh. But what was the purpose for rebuking them sharply? For restoring and sanctifying. Yeah. It's right there in verse 13. It doesn't say rebuke them sharply and just leave them, you know, wallowing in their agony now after you've, you've hammered them, but rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. I mentioned to you last week, also probably the week before that, that that word sound is going to resound over and over again in this book. And a couple of times we'll read about it today. The word sound is healthy. Okay, healthy hail, uh, not hail like some endured yesterday, but H-A-L-E as opposed to H-A-I-L. Hail, healthy, strong, whole, complete, so that they may be complete in the, in the faith. Um, there, and so that, that's where we left, and we, we kind of dipped into chapter 2 at the very end to see where we were going to go from here. So we've discussed the rebuking. And he transitions in chapter 2 and verse 1, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Okay, teach what accords with sound doctrine. This is Paul's fundamental command to Titus, to teach. This is the fundamental command to elders. So if this, is, if this is his fundamental command to Titus to teach what accords with sound doctrine, it should not be surprising that the primary job of an elder is in the preaching and teaching of the word. Um, with the internet, with all that is available on the internet, does that make this job of preaching and teaching of the elder in the local church passe. Have we entered a new era where we really don't need pastors and teachers in the local church anymore? Because, I mean, we might as well just stay home. You can listen, you can listen to way better than me on the internet. The fact that you guys are all sitting here this morning makes you strange in America. It does. 
So is it passe? Is is this whole elder teacher the need for shepherding sound doctrine? There's multitudes more of unsound doctrine online as well. Okay. More easily available. Okay. So the need for the local uh, pastor and shepherding to keep people. So, on a, on a healthy so, diet of so there's doctrine. there's perhaps a trust here. You know, hopefully the teachers in your local church, wherever that might be, wherever God takes you, are trustworthy, proven men who have proven themselves in their teaching over and over. So why else? It's one-way communication. So I'm an attendee. Uh, I can plug in whenever I want to. So there's no relationships, essentially, with that. So how can I hold you accountable for anything? How can I talk to you and ask you questions? Okay. But think, okay, think of this, let's, let's go over to the sermon. People tend not to raise their hand in the middle of the sermon. And go, hey, uh, Jeremy, could, could you clarify? They don't, they don't do that. But we have they, a relationship <clears throat> with Jeremy, so we could do it later. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't feel comfortable giving John Piper a call. You know, or Mark Dever or any, any of those guys. I can't just pick... I might send them a text, you know, Twitter, Twitter them, but what are the chances they're going to They might put you on air. Answer me out of the 552,000 other people that yeah, it's just not going to. So, you know, let's let's the the chief responsibility of the elder is in teaching and one of the things that is fundamental is the fundamentals of salvation. Now, what is the gospel? The gospel is prominent and primary. There, there's, there's a primacy to the gospel. And it's not merely the gospel for my salvation. It is the gospel in my sanctification. If Christ is the one who saves me, Christ is the one who is going to carry me through in my sanctification. If it is by grace that I am saved, then I ought not be trying to please God in my works to earn his favor, my works ought to flow out of that gospel relationship of salvation, that empowering of him, because he has saved me to do good works. And so, the gospel has to be primary in teaching, uh, leading, leading the saints, shepherding the saints in sanctification. How do I grow in Christ's likeness? That has to come out in the teaching uh, within the church. Um, uh, another thing, um, when, for example, when uh, back back in the day when I was still flying airplanes, um, and if we were going to have a mission over bad guy land, one of the things that we would brief every mission was a primary threat. What were the threats that we might encounter? How would they manifest themselves to me? And what would I do to defend against them or to attack them if I encountered that? And so, are there pitfalls when you walk out the door today? Are there things that want to hamstring you and knock you <coughs> off of your relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Uh-huh. Yeah. Could it happen right here in the chair where you're sitting? 
as your mind begins to wander and think on other things. Absolutely. And so, you know, what are the dangers of the influences of the world and how do we counter them? And, and really, just a, a, and there, there are a myriad, we could sit here and list all the, the things that pastors and elders and teachers should teach there. But the last and really the first thing is Jesus. Jesus, not just as a historical figure, but as, as my God, as my Lord, as my friend, as my power, as my husband, as the head of the body of which I am a part. Oh, to love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. <coughs> really easy to say that. Blah, 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 blah. You know, over and over again. And it just, but do I? Do I really love Jesus? And I should. I should. If I'm a believer, I really should. In my heart and my soul, that should, oh, I should. And if I don't, then I need to sit and think. Before God, I need to sit and think. Lord, help me. So, he is supposed to teach what accords with sound doctrine. What accords with sound doctrine. What does that mean? What accords with sound doctrine? Goes with sound doctrine, maybe? Associate. Okay. Okay. Harmonizes. Oh, good. Good word, good word. Because that's, that's the example I was thinking of. Every now and then when Corbin and I are practicing on a Sunday morning, you know, it's in a particular key that I can't play. So you see me slap that little black thing on my guitar. That puts it into a key on my guitar that I can play. But every now and then I'll start the song with that little black thing either off or on the wrong spot. And immediately you go, whoa, that sounds icky. Because I am not in accord with Corbin. I have to be in accord with Corbin for it to ultimately resonate properly. So, you know, really a, kind of a great word picture that he must teach what is in accord. His teaching must be in accord with something that is referred to as sound doctrine. Again, there's that word again, sound, hail, healthy, solid the baseball bat, ding, ding, ding. You know, is there vibration or is it solid? Is it a firm foundation? Doctrine. Doctrine. What is, what's doctrine? Fundamental instruction. Okay. Set of like-mindedness or a set of beliefs or a set of truths. Okay. You could look at basic Christian doctrine and go, these are things, these are the fundamentals a Christian should believe. Um, Buddhist doctrine, uh, uh, socialist doctrine. Typically you hear the word doctrine and it's going to lean toward relig something religious <coughs> as opposed to something political, but there can be doctrine in there as well. Um, A fact. I can know facts 
and not understand doctrine. I can know that Jesus Christ died on a cross, but have no understanding of what that death did. And that death, that fact, the fact of that death opens up a whole vista, a whole wide horizon of other issues that all come together. Why did he have to die on a cross? First, why did he have to die? No, go ahead. Why did he die? Propitiation. For our sin. For our sin. Well, okay. What, where, what, what happened in our sin? Where? When? Okay, in the Garden of Eden. Which then takes you to the... Cre- so, you know, that one fact that Jesus died on a cross takes you to the doctrine of the creation, the perfect creation, the who is man, takes you to the doctrine of anthropology, what is man, where is man in the cosmos, theology, who is God, why did he create, takes you to the fall of archaeology, which is the study of sin, what is, how did sin come about, how is sin transmitted to you, why am I held accountable for that, which was... A long time ago. Why me? And why why does God why why does God get upset about this thing? It was a piece of fruit. But he calls nothing. Yeah, but all of that, all of that gets into it's not just a fact. There has to be a comprehension of all of these things coming together from here. To really explain why you're there. And that is sound doctrine. I can stand here and tell you a fact. And that's a good thing. But really, an elder is supposed to be able to take all of those things and bring them to bear on this point. There is almost nothing within scripture that doesn't require some pulling of other truths together to really flesh out and fulfill what is being said in that point. Which is why it is so important that we be men and women who, chapter 1 verse 9, Hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. So, you know, the importance, really the importance of pulling it all together here. uh, To be able to pull all of it together. It gives us a fuller picture of what God is doing in the world around us. It doesn't leave something in isolation. So it gives us a fuller picture. Hopefully this this idea of pulling it all together will also lead you to a deeper worship. Where 
When you hear these things, when we discuss these things, when we, when we sit on a single verse for 45 minutes, you go, wow, wow. And we still may not have plumbed the depths of that iceberg. And we just saw one side of it. We haven't even gone around to the backside of it yet. And it shouldn't make us go wow at the iceberg. It should make us go wow at God. There is so much more I could know. A deeper worship, really a fuller picture of what God is doing. It should give us a greater comprehension too as we have a sound doctrine of life. What aspect of life? Yes. All aspects of life. You know, we, we are spending weeks looking at a letter from one pastor to another. And there's you know, one pastor sitting in the room. Here, the rest of you aren't. But the relevance to this, of this letter to us and to our lives is enormous. Which is why we take the time. And it should... As we study this, as we feed on this, it should nourish us as far as what our lives should be like. Give us greater insight there. It should also deepen our insight into our desperate need. By grace I am saved through faith. And this not of myself, it is a gift of God. Not of works, so that no one should boast. That is absolutely true. And so I'm saved. Great. And I still have desperate need day by day, moment by moment, because I am not there yet. The whole idea of mortification of sin that we talked about in our men's group a week ago. We're going to be talking about it again here this next week. You know, I desperately need to understand, and this idea of sound doctrine gives me a firmer foundation. It's a strong shield against being swayed by the whispers of the enemy. If I have an understanding of where I am, and again, that's going to come by having a greater understanding of his work. So, Titus, you teach what accords with sound doctrine as you establish elders. But it's not merely in establishing elders here. It's showing who Titus is supposed to be teaching specifically, who the elders are supposed to be teaching. And so we're going to start a, uh, I don't know, maybe one week, two weeks, three weeks, uh, look at the various people within the church that the elders teach. The first is the older men. Um, let's Let's... Before we look at the older men specifically, let's go generally. He's going to be teaching others. The elder is teaching others. Um, this puts a, a responsibility into the elder's camp. First of all, he is supposed to be teaching. That is a responsibility. He has a responsibility to teach. So he needs to put himself into that crucible. He needs to put himself in that arena. It should be a desire of his heart to teach. Otherwise, he shouldn't be an elder. 
And so it is a huge responsibility, James chapter 3, verse 1. Those who teach will be held to a greater account. Who should he teach? Well, as we look here, older women, or older men, older women, younger women, younger men, who's he supposed to teach? Everyone. Okay, good. Everyone. And because there are specific breakdowns, he is going to have the opportunity to teach specific groups, probably. As I am teaching here, I am teaching some older men. I am teaching some younger men. I am teaching some older women. I probably shouldn't be pointing the older one. Uh, and, and younger women, you know, older women and younger women. Here in a, in a large group setting, really I'm covering them all. And so there should be truths that come out in an elder's teaching that sometimes are specifically directed to older men. Sometimes they are directed to where the younger men are dealing and battling with life. Okay, yes, but then there will, there will also be settings where it's more broken down, perhaps even more segregated. So the elder should be able to teach, desire to teach. Large numbers, small numbers. Um, some guys like to preach to large groups. They feel better doing that. The one-on-one -on -one tends to make them a little skittish. Other guys would rather, man, have coffee all the time with one guy like 15 times a week. They're meeting with guys one-on-one -on -one to disciple and to train up. Okay, which is better? Yes. Whatever you're getting to. Yes, yeah, yes, do it. Nike, just do it. Do it. So this is the responsibility for teachers. There's a, if, if, he is commanding people to teach. There's got to be people who do go teach. But there's another responsibility. Upon whom? People are coming to listen. Yes, the taught. What is the responsibility for somebody who is taught? Okay, to learn. Why are you here? Hopefully, to learn and leave it here. If, if everything that comes out of my face this morning hits you on the forehead and rolls under the table and stays there as you walk out, bummer. Bummer. So there's a responsibility to learn, which implies there ought to be a desire. You know, that you are here this morning. Some of you were mandated to be here and you had no choice in the matter. You know, but there will come a day where you do have a choice and you can stay home. But I should desire to put myself under. Ooh, upatasso. I need to submit. There is a willingness to put myself under the teaching in the church to hear 
about God. Because this individual hopefully had more time than 15 minutes to throw things together that he actually, or she actually, took the time to study through and brought all of these things together to make not just scrambled eggs, but a wonderful bounty and banquet to feed upon. So there's really a submission on the part of the hearer as well to do that. Do I seek it out? Do I seek it out in the one-on-ones? Do I seek it out in the mass settings? Awesome. This is, this is the church. And this is the beauty of the church. And this is the relationships in the church. And this is where community is built. Here. This is where it begins in these settings. Because from here, we go out and we talk and our relationships are continued, continue to be fostered. So he is supposed to teach older men. The word for elder and the word for older men are very close, but they are different. To not confuse an elder in the church with older men. Because it's almost the same word, same, kind, same root there, a little bit different uh, there. So we're not talking of elders specific, specifically, but older men. How old? It's, it's vague. It's vague here. Well, I mean, they hit several things like sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith. So, I mean, sounds like they've been in the faith for a while. That's not how they are. That's what he is supposed to teach them. And so, so yes, we, there, there is a sense there. But how old? Really, it's, it's hard to say. But it is... It is a man who has been seasoned by life. Okay? A man who has seasoned, been seasoned by life. Um, age, age doesn't always um, correlate directly with maturity. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, get a, we'll get a sense of the break when we get to younger men and younger women. What things are are of concern for older men versus younger men. What are the concerns for older women vice younger women? Good, good. Um, Now, Titus is supposed to teach older men. Problem? Maybe. Okay. So what would the problem be? Young buck. I'm not going to listen to you. Junior. I've seen way more times around the sun than you had, boy. Yeah. What about from Titus's perspective? Huh? Okay, that would be that would be one one possibility. Fear. Yeah, or the other possibility is he's he's buckled in his knees. You know, <laughs> yeah, they're not gonna listen to me. 
So he could he could either be a, a, a snotty young buck and you know he's wielding the Bible like a mace, <coughs> smacking people like a with a club. So there there are some issues here that really have to be overcome. Paul exhorts Timothy, don't let them look down upon you for your youth. How does he do that? Well, simply by preaching the word. By doing, by doing what he has been commanded to do. Just do it. Just do it. So teach the older men. Teach the older men. And hopefully, as they understand your position as an elder, they will go, ah, speak to me. Feed me. I'm ready. Older men are to be sober-minded. Literally means abstaining from wine. Okay, doesn't mean he's supposed to be a teetotaler. But he is supposed to not be drunk. Okay? So, let's say that figuratively, okay, because it, it, he's not, he's supposed to be not drunk in his mind. Okay, if you are drunk in your mind, what would you imagine is going on if you are drunk in your mind? Not quite understand what being drunk in your mind means. Okay, well, drunk. If, if, you're, if you're drunk, what's going on in your mind? Less self-control. Okay. You know, things, there is not a clarity anymore. Of right and wrong, uh, wisdom, it's not happening. And your control over your thought life is not there. And so, to be sober-minded is to be controlled in your thought life. Here, to be clear-minded. You are not captivated by excesses. You are not distracted Really, by life. Also, you're not influenced by the Holy Spirit. Instead, you're influenced by something else. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled by the Holy Spirit. Sober minded. He is supposed to be dignified. The root for that is comes from one who worships. Um, he is supposed to be dignified, honorable, reverent. There. What would the opposite of this be like? If he's not dignified. Partier, crazy. Just loose. Good word. Loose. Um, flighty, unseemly, dignified. <clears throat> he is to be, oh, here's another word. You know, I mentioned the, the repetition of the word sound. Here, this next one is also repeated throughout Titus. Self-controlled. Self-controlled. 
Now, sober-minded has an idea of self-controlled, um, of, of clear-mindedness. Self-controlled, there's a, it's a similar thought. It's sanity. He is, he is sane. He is sensible. And there are four other times uh, mentioned in Titus where that word will pop up. I'll leave you to find those. One, eight, two, five, six, eleven. So if he is self-controlled, again, he is not ignited by the externals. You know, uh, he's flame retardant. That way, he's wearing Nomex for the military folks. And now we're going to come to a, a cluster of three here where he is supposed to be sound in these, sound in faith, sound in love, and sound in steadfastness. Okay? Sound in faith. Again, the word healthy. Uh, fit as a fiddle. When the centurion's servant was healed in Luke, it's the same word. Your servant is healed, is well, is whole. When Jesus Christ told the masses that it wasn't the healthy who need a physician, but the sick, the healthy, again, is the word sound. They're supposed to be sound in faith. Why? What is what is? What does it mean to be sound in faith? Have a sure foundation. Okay. He can have a. He can have faith in a lot of things, but but b. There are people that are uh, not wishy-washy, but up and down, or, or faith, their faith is based on emotions and circumstances and experiences, and it comes and goes. And but Ev, God gave me my emotions. Yes, and changes with the. With, with stomachs. <laughs> yeah, which way is the wind blowing today? Yeah. Strong out of the north yesterday. They're good. Your emotions are good symptoms. Okay. To know what's going on on the inside. Yeah. They're not our spiritual. Yeah. Our, uh, our emotions are like the seasonings. Yeah. You know, it's the salt and pepper. It's the whipped cream. It's it's the caramel topping. It's not the it's not the meat. It's not my foundation. I have to be sound in faith. Faith in what? Faith in what? Uh, Christ's work, scripture. Yes. <clears throat> doctrine. Sound doctrine. have to have sound faith in a sound doctrine. Sound faith was, you know, back to 13. I'm supposed to rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith. Really, that they may have a sound doctrine. So they are supposed to be sound in faith. Okay. What is it not? So if I am sound in faith, I am not. What? What would be the opposite of being sound in faith? I think you just touched on it, being kind of wishy-washy, letting your things be based on your emotions and how you feel your circumstances in life, rather than letting that dictate 
whether or not your faith is secure. Okay. Can you pray for us? Okay. Not tossed here and there. By the winds of every doctrine, James chapter 1. Especially as far as physicists talking about the older man in a teaching role, how dangerous would it be for someone who's, every time they hear a new doctrine, is sharing it with everyone, or every time they're dealing with some major unbelief is, is are leading people? When you walk out of here, before you are here next week, are you likely to hear goofy doctrines? Sure. Absolutely. If you are in the world at all, if you are out in the world at all, if you turn on your television set, if you turn on the radio, you are going to hear goofy things. And an older man is supposed to have his compass point at true north. He is not to be blown along. He is to be focused have his sails trimmed, his rudder set, the tiller set, and he is to be focused on true north so that he is not blown around by strange doctrines. He is sound in the faith. He is supposed to be sound in love. What is love? Not what? A denial of self. Okay, a denial of self. I, I, I would contend I could deny myself and not be loving. I think in loving... It requires a denial of self. It does. Absolutely. On putting others before yourself. Okay. There's the focus. The focus is others. And it requires a denial of others, or (laughs) denial of myself, not others, to love somebody. But what is it concerned about? Yeah, it's, it's concerned about the other. It is concerned about the other. That is my concern. I am denying myself, but if 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 I'm if I'm focused on wow, you know, I really you know, I denied myself a lot the last week, and so I need some me time. I'm not going to be a loving person because I'm I'm keeping a tally. There, he's supposed to be sound in love. He is supposed to have his radar out, looking for how he can minister to others, and that is how an older man should be. He should be others-focused. Sound in love. There. This is not American. America is all about me time. It is. got to have me some me time. I don't see that in God's word. I do see you need to rest. I do see you need to get away and pray. I do see that you need to get your people away out of the hub of life from time to time to rest. Yes, absolutely. 
But sometimes when you get your people out of the chaos of the world, you're going to be hit by the chaos of the world. And the masses are going to come and you're going to have to feed the masses right when you're trying to get away. And you go, ah, I have compassion on these people. Let's feed them. What do we got? Uh, five loaves and two fish. That's all we got. Have them sit down on the grass. Well, this was supposed to be our time. Noted. We will have time. There will be time in the future. But I have to be sound in love, not arrogant, not self-absorbed. There. What normally goes with faith and love? Hope. He's in 1 Corinthians 13. Here we have steadfastness, steadfastness or endurance. Is there a link at all between hope and steadfastness or endurance? Yeah. Huh? Your hope gives you the steadfastness and endurance. Yeah. Hope looks which way? Yeah, up, up and forward. You know, it's, it's looking, looking at what's coming. And not what's coming, you know, on, on this plane, but what's coming on the next plane. Plane, not airplane, but God's plane. What's coming in eternity? You know, I set my mind on things above. And so that, that gives me an endurance. I'm sound in endurance. Um, steadfastness, perseverance, all those things. Um, why do you think it's important that an older man be sound? Th and think about an older man when you get to my station in life and older, what kind of things are going to start to beset a man in his older years? Nothing. Let the rocking chair get him. Okay. And, and give up on, on endurance as opposed to I've heard about the effectiveness of ministry once you, you no longer have a vocation. Okay. So he may, he may start to get lazy. It's, it's rock and chair time. It's retirement. It's golf course time for me. Okay? What else might beset an older man? Just health. I'm sorry? His health. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he begins to get broken down. Um, his friends begin to die off. And he gets lonely. Maybe. Um, I'm giving up on the younger world, giving up on, on this whole principle in general as far as being around for as an elder. What are what are men in my season of life infamous for? Okay. Okay. Good. That's that's what I was thinking. We'll get to, we'll, 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 we'll hold. Let me hold cranky for a little bit. Ow. Pull that out of my. Um, the midlife crisis. Why a midlife crisis? Why does an older guy go through a midlife crisis? He's afraid he hasn't experienced all of the joy that he's No fear of settling into the next frontier of years. Yeah. 
change of identity. Here's being fulfilled. Okay. This all there is? My expiration date is coming and I haven't done X, Y, Z. Yeah. I'll tell you something that I, I deal with, you know, uh, transparency time. It's not, it won't be gross. Uh, and that is regret. Regret. Uh, there's very little I look back on in my life where I don't see prominently my failures. And I see, I see domino after domino after domino after domino after domino after domino after domino of failure. And, and Satan loves to go, hey, Keith, let's, let's pray these past your eyes one more time. And God has done great things in my life through, the, through all of those things. Satan wants to crush me in that. And as a man looking back over his life to go, Meaningless. All meaningless. All, I just, I blew this, I blew that, I blew the other thing, and might as well push it up right now. Spend my kids' inheritance right now. Live for the me. And so, this is sweet. Be steadfast, old guy. Endure, old guy. You have purpose because you have breath. There. From here he's going to go into older women. I'm not going to go into it. We'll, we'll save that for next time. But why doesn't Paul merely address older people? And then it begs the question, why does Paul... Break it up even further. And he says, old men, old women, young men, young women. Why does he do this here? Because God recognizes our uniqueness in the stage of life and gender. And... Okay. Uniqueness in a stage of life. What else? Gender. Uniqueness in gender. <clears throat> men, women. You are not the same. You deal with things differently. Things are going to beset you differently. They will. Because God has made you unique as a woman. And it's different than being a dude. It's different. And not only did God create us separately, He cares about us individually. And just... <laughs> he deals with us directly. If you do not, in God's word, seek God's care for you, oh, you're missing it. We looked at that with my with my daughters this week in, in a passage that God cares. Oh, God, God, God is gets sorry in His heart for the status of men. He does <coughs> there. And so, so next week, next week we'll we'll look at women. Um, some more, but but as we as we go through this, I, I hope the foundation, the need for these four things. I don't even. I, I, yeah, I think I, I put it on the takeaways. The need for study. There needs to there there needs to be a hunger for study in the body, and yes, study here. But I hope 
that when you guys leave at some point this week, that you will sit and think on these next verses on the older women and the younger women and the younger men. And how does this all relate to study it yourselves so that when we come together, you know, we can sharpen iron here. You know, there is uh, a need for heeding the instruction that comes to heed our trainer. You know, Sam Starkey is a guy that comes to our men's group a bunch. He's a CrossFit junkie. Okay, and there are techniques for the clean and jerk to, you know, to get the weight up properly. And if I'm trying to do myself, I'm probably going to hurt myself. But I need to listen to somebody who shows me how to do it properly. And so we should heed our trainers and we should not be embarrassed to speak to trainers in this, or in our case, elders and teachers. And so as we go, you know, we see that older men are supposed to be sober, dignified, self-controlled. We are grooming ourselves. We are preparing ourselves. We are getting ready to go to church today. Okay. Yeah, that's really superficial, but I am grooming myself for my Lord. We together are the bride of Christ and our good works before God. His work in our life is preparing our raiment for the Lord on the day of visitation. So I hope that in your life, you are really believing that you are preparing yourself for the Lord. The last thing is teach. Kara's the youngest one here, I think. Or Caleb. Caleb, Caleb, Caleb. okay, Caleb's the youngest one. You guys are going to have opportunity to teach here. Younger ones. In your home. Not in your, you know. Uh, in, your, in your associations. Just by your example. We are in a body to teach within a body, to teach in the body is great. Please, if you have a gift for teaching or if you have the experiences of life to share with others, to teach is a good thing. Or to seek the teaching, to put yourself under the teaching within the body is a good thing. Is it wrong to seek teaching outside? No, it's, it's not. But... That's not building up this body in that manner. So that is how God has appointed the church. We're out of time here. Uh, next week, older women, uh, again, invite you to look ahead to that.